0: dare call it ordinary A podcast that digs into the unusual unorthodox and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia i'm your host dylan and with me is the theocratic and thermodynamic <laughs> brent i like those those are those are two of my favorites i think so far theocratic yeah exactly like- so you you want a uh, religiously based government correct and you're just you're spitting hot fire that's right thermodynamic <laughs>
1: So this is our twenty third episode, Man, and twenty three. Yeah, that's right, twenty three, and it's going to be. I have to say, it's going to be the Michael Jordan of our episodes. Why? Oh. Yeah, not because Michael Jordan wore the number twenty three in his jersey. Keeping it real with the sports here, but because we finally exposed John the twenty third as the fraud that he is.
0: Finally, oh, gonna happen. We've been it's, we've been really <laughs> waiting. We've been kind of skipping around the issue. Yeah, we've been talking about people who think he's not the pope, but we really we got some things to talk about today. <laughs> uh, so, what are we talking about today? So, this is our final episode. Five parts for sedevacantism. There's just so much, and what That's we're right. going to be talking about is, you know, normally sedevacantism is the view that there isn't a pope, but it turns out. There are people in the set of a contest ecosystem who think either for a while there really was a pope or even now think there's a pope. Yes. And so we're going to be covering kind of the three big versions of this idea. So the first is what's called the Siri thesis which is the idea that Pope John the 23rd was actually just a straight up fraud mm. and that we did have a pope elected before him Cardinal Giuseppe Siri and Giuseppe Siri was alive until 1989 which would mean we had a pope that whole time <laughs> but he was just put into exile unfortunately <laughs> another kind of view about what's known as conclavism mm-hmm. is mystical conclavism so for the mystical conclavists it's the idea that Somebody sees an apparition or they have some kind of paranormal experience, which leads them to believe that they have been selected pope kind of directly. They don't have to deal with the whole election process or any of that. Right. And then there's also the kind of regular conclavists who actually go about the hard work of being elected pope the old fashioned way. And we're going to cover all those, but we're going to start with the Siri thesis. And I think Brent has something to say about
1: that. I sure do. So the Siri thesis is the assertion that the conservative Archbishop of Genoa since 1946, Cardinal Giuseppe Siri, was elected pope in the 1958 papal conclave, though the election was suppressed. So, you know, I I could solve this problem right off the bat here. Hey, Siri, why are you secretly the pope? We were talking. Oh come on! See that's that's not really <laughs> oh, what I want to happen.
0: Um, so I think I mean Siri's telling you, Brent, you are the Pope. Oh shit! Um, there it is. <laughs> I I know you didn't know it, but you know yeah, Siri has spoken good twist at the end so of this your, series. What's your Pope name going to be? It's going to be uh, just Pope Brent. I'm going to go with the Brent, the usual. Uh, oh, he's just, the just front gonna, first oh, name? Man. Just
1: use my own name, really. Um, I don't think that's allowed. I don't think it pope is either. <laughs> Brent the first. All right. So followers of the Siri thesis call Siri Pope Gregory the 17th or he is also known as the Red Pope, Ooh. which sounds like something out of Game of Thrones actually, but <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> the, Why do they call him the Red Pope? I, he, I I looked that up and he's just wearing a red um what's I forget the name of what they're called, the gowns in which the the, the cardinals and bishops wear. He's wearing a red one. That's it. Just red.
0: Oh, okay. Just just so. his outfit. <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs> he, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, just very literal. So anyway, Siri, however, did not associate himself with the idea that it is held by a small group of traditionalist Catholics. These believers claim that a prolonged emission of white smoke on the first day of balloting at the conclave signaled Siri's election. However, they thought that threats applied from outside the conclave, which caused this election to be reversed, which allowed Pope John XXIII to be elected just two days later. So who do you suppose were the source of the threats? You guessed it. The Freemasons. Also agents of the Soviet Union.
0: Man, double whammy.
1: <laughs> I know, you know, the Soviet Union, those freedom fighters who were fighting terrorists in Afghanistan, as the president would say. Okay, so of That's course way later. The- <laughs> That's true. We gotta wait till the 80s. For way, that to way later. Happen.
0: Yeah. Of course, those that adhered to wait, the And wait, when did when did the Soviet Union really lose in Afghanistan? <laughs> 1989, Boom. thereabouts? It's all coming together. It is. Of course, those that adhere to the Siri
1: thesis state the election of John the 23rd was invalid. They label him and his successors as imposters or anti-popes. Isn't anti-pope just John Waters, basically? I mean, he is the pope of trash, right? No, I mean, that's I think that's his own
0: thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. He called himself that. So, I mean, but John the 23rd definitely was a trash pope. (laughs) Uh, But I think that's a slightly different thing. You know, you know.
1: It's a little different. Right. So on October 25th, 1958, 51 cardinals entered the papal conclave, which was held to elect a successor to Pope Pius XII. Cardinal Giuseppe Siri, at the age of 52 years old, was recognized as being a favorite for the position. So at 11.53 a.m. on the morning of October 26, 1958, white smoke rose from the chimney of the Sistine Chapel, which is a traditional signal to the crowds gathering in the square outside that a pope has been
0: elected. And you know who wouldn't like that at all? Francis Schukert. He yes. did not like smoking. He would. He would be the first to get rid of this procedure.
1: <laughs> That's true. So a few minutes later, it was followed by black smoke. The Italian radio network and the Italian news agency had to retract their initial reports that a pope had been elected. Something similar happened in the afternoon at 5:53 p.m. when the smoke again appeared white. So at 6 p.m., after the smoke had continued white for several minutes, Vatican Radio, a great radio station, told the world started in
0: 1931. (laughs) In case you're curious.
1: So it told the world quote the smoke is white there's absolutely no doubt a pope has been elected
0: thank god we can you, we can move on <laughs> we've got a new pope and everything <laughs> is great forevermore That's right
1: yes after about half an hour the smoke turned black indicating that there was no result so Vatican radio corrected its report so the new york times said that the quote the crowd lingered for more than half an hour apparently hoping against hope that a new pope would appear <laughs>
0: hoping so against hope What the fuck hope.
1: happened <laughs> I don't know what happened. I guess Loki is the one true god after all, right? I don't know. He's fucking with us. Yeah, hail
0: Discordia at this point. I think, you know,
1: definitely got to get some chaos in there. Apparently, there were some problems getting the straw to catch fire. So, yeah. The paper reported a quote. So, here's a quote here. The the second signal was misunderstood because it came well after nightfall. The smoke was lighted from below by a spotlight, which made black appear white.
0: Oh. (laughs) Uh,
1: Okay. Um okay i mean come on out guys we are are living in the modern era at this point how about we just use a microphone and announce the pope instead of smoke signals but i always did want to know the origin story of the smoke monster from the show lost
0: so we have it there I mean, also, I mean, even you know, we can take baby steps. I think into modernism, you know, use a telegraph. Yeah, start there. We don't have to go all the way to a microphone, right? You know, because we know, you know, in a thousand years, it's going to be just a heavy guitar riff or something. Yeah, you know, at that point. Um, so I think we could take baby steps here at the very least. It's like a drum solo. Like, oh, Pope's coming. Here we go. And Pope Neil Pert the Third has has been elected.
1: The official responsible for arrangements outside the conclave notified the cardinals that the color of the smoke had been misread and provided them with quote smoke tortures from fireworks factory.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I,
1: <laughs> let's let's see here. We have got we're firecrack- getting into the future. <laughs> yeah. We got firecrackers. Let's see here. We got firecrackers, black cats, M80s, ladyfingers, smoke bombs. I'll take the smoke bombs.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine the, this. It's good that the Vatican is not located in Las Vegas because you <laughs> yeah. just t- the only thing we would be able to use are either the sparkler <laughs> or the snake. Maybe the snake would be kind of cool. You know, you light like a big snake right. <laughs> and then it just pops up the, the, the top of it. And like, oh, we got a new pope. The snake yeah. has reached the
1: top. That's why you always n- announce your pope in Missouri. That's like you can have all kinds of fireworks there and it's totally legal. It's fine.
0: Yeah, that's the one thing that blew me away about Missouri. And I think Detroit, too. I'm not I I I don't know if I'm just m- misremembering where I've lived. But in Missouri, there's just fireworks stores all around and get whatever you want it's like like an armory in there yeah
1: so finally on october 28th white smoke came out to signal the election of the pope jeez so many smoke signals sadly there was a brisk fog that day so no one saw it they all went home and reannounced catholicism i'm just kidding
0: (laughs) fool me once shame on they're not being a pope fool me twice shame on me I, i think at that point right you just yeah give up um,
1: on the 11th ballot, the conclave elected Cardinal Angelo Roncalli, who took the name John the 23rd. Good name. Good name. Good name. Not bad. Now you may ask, why did this happen? Well, according to the Popeinred.com. Quote, this step was absolutely necessary to the, quote, powers of darkness so that they could place Masonic agents upon the chair of Ooh. Peter. <laughs> I mean, who would be devoid of any guidance by the Holy Ghost to spread the disease of heresy worldwide with the obedient cooperation of an unsuspecting clergy while exiling the true papal authority from Rome and covering it up with a false authority. Seems reasonable. reasonably oh, explained God, there. Chills.
0: Okay. Got chills. I mean are they saying that the Holy Ghost wasn't responsible for all of John the 23rd's jokes? I mean I mean he, he that guy was a laugh riot. I think he, he had was. some supernatural help. Right. <laughs> Siri didn't make
1: it past the early voting stages of the process and was considered too young to be pope at the age of 52. Oof. He had a lot of growing up to do. Come back to us when you're like 86,
0: you know? Yeah, 86. This is a little... It's it's funny because they there's a bunch of people who want to be pope, and so it's kind of like, well, the best way to do that is just keep electing old dudes. Yep, <laughs>
1: that's true. Fail safe. So in the late 1980s, Gary Gaifieri, an American traditionalist Catholic, expounded the belief that Cardinal Siri was the true pope and was being held captive in a monastery in Rome. Captive. Yeah. I know. According to Gaffiri, the white smoke scene was not a mistake, but rather the election of Pope Siri. However, Siri was forced to surrender the papacy due to dire threats from outside of the conclave. Oh
0: man, dire threats! Yeah, <laughs> he considered Pope John the Twenty Third a Freemason. Yeah, I, I, he he just considered him a Freemason. <laughs> I, I kind of like that. Like that's just something you can just boom Freemason. Yeah. <laughs> You just declare it. He said the same thing happened at the 1963
1: conclave, which followed John the 23rd's death. Yet again, white smoke emerged, and yet again, it indicated that Siri had been elected, and again, it turned black, and under the threats from outside the conclave, a different cardinal was elected, Pope Paul the
0: Sixth. So I guess, like, <laughs> after that, they didn't need to do it anymore? Yeah. They're like, they finally like, all right, the conclave gets the picture, the Freemasons right. <laughs> and the you know Judeo whatever conspiracy is running the show and they kind of just gave up I guess I guess so that's what seems clear to me I mean that's for a 2,000 year old institution that seems kind of weak it does (laughs) so who does the Siri thesis consider to be controlling
1: from the outside of the conclave the B'nai Berith, working on behalf of a Judeo Masonic conspiracy obviously obviously I mean that's just come on the assertion was proposed in an article written in 1986 by Louis Hubert Remy in a French publication that I can't say because I don't speak French, but I uh, can try. Sous La Bagnere. Beautiful. And translated into English in 1987 for Father Dan Jones's newsletter, which I can't say either because it's in French and I don't speak French, but the I...
0: Sangre du Cristo news notes? Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah, exactly. Well, something right. like that. Yeah.
1: I personally have a copy in my bathroom. I can't pronounce it, but I do own it next to my Uncle John bathroom <laughs> reader. And the oh. Latin edition, of course, you know, the Latin edition. <laughs> I'm not a fucking peasant. I, mean,
0: <laughs> I have a Latin edition of a uh, Milton Burl joke book. Oh, so it's a little, man. you know.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> same kind of
0: the key is the language. It's yes. got to be
1: in Latin. Yeah, you got. It. that's the only way it comes across. It's hilarious. So in 1990, Malachi Martin wrote a book. Called The Keys of His Blood, which Ooh. said, yeah, which said that during the 1963 conclave, Siri received sufficient votes for the election but refused it. So, this book is not to be confused with Dinesh D'Souza's most recent book in his 176 part series on the evil of Obama, Keys of the Kenyan Muslims' Blood. That is a oh, different th- <laughs> book,
0: <laughs> equally true book, but different. different. Yeah. At
1: the same time. Yeah. Very angry man like Obama. Um, Clearly. The reason Siri refused was that he believed that, quote, only thus could foreseen possibilities of grave danger be avoided. But whether harm to church, his family, or to him personally is not clear. So Siri's refusal, he says, followed a conversation on the subject of Siri's candidacy between a member of the conclave and somebody outside it. Who was quote an emissary of an internationally based organization? Mm-hmm. Not good.
0: I.e., globalists. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's just say it. None of Let's this internationally it. based houjoumokolits. Yep. In 1997,
1: Martin participated in an interview on a radio program called Steel on Steel, hosted by John Lafleur. I think is how you say his name. Could be wrong.
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
1: Martin claimed that Siri had also obtained a majority of votes in the first 1978 conclave, but that he had received a written note after his election threatening him and his family with death should he accept. And for evidence, he offered his mind and his mouth. So he didn't offer anything. So in 2003, (laughs) Paul L. Williams wrote a book entitled The Vatican Exposed, which is also the title of The Papal Penthouse, issue 777. (laughs) um <laughs> it's
0: it's like the body issue but a little more explicit yeah i think those those the letters to the editor also written in latin <laughs> yeah, penthouse latin letters <laughs> Christ. In
1: Williams' book, he claims that the U.S. State Department documents confirmed that Siri had been elected pope in 1958 as Gregory the 17th. However, the election was abandoned, not by a Judeo-Masonic conspiracy, but rather the Soviet Union. I mean, so, I, we all know that's just the same thing. Yeah. So Roncalli, who became John the 23rd, was known as the, quote, pink priest... So, because um, his ties with both the French and Italian communist parties. Oh, man. I don't know. He's. I mean, I'm assuming he's like the red pope, but he's the
0: pink priest. So He um, just has a pink outfit yeah. instead of a red outfit. Exactly. I, the thing I'm not getting is what does that have to do with pink? <laughs> when I think communism, I always think red. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You would think the red pope would be the communist pope. Yeah, the red think. pope. I mean, yeah. it's...
1: Makes more sense. It just writes itself. That should be a comic book. (laughs) So according to Williams, Siri was, quote, rapidly anti-communist. So Siri received the requisite number of votes on the third ballot and was elected as Gregory the 17th. But, quote, the French cardinals annulled the results claiming that the election would cause widespread riots and the assassination of several prominent bishops behind the Iron Curtain. Damn. That's intense. So what did Williams use to support this outlandish claims? You guessed it. The Department of State Secret Dispatch, John, the 23rd, issue date number 20, 1958, declassified November eleventh, nineteen 1978, and Department of State Secret File, Cardinal Siri, issue date I- April tenth, nineteen 1961, references were charged to simply FBI source. So... You guessed it. You probably got it right. Yeah, the FBI. The good old FBI. We know how great
0: they are. Yeah. The deep state. Um Ugh. This is pre deep state, but yeah. So basically, <laughs> according to these Department of State and FBI documents, it's supposed to say, Yeah, this is all true. Is that what he's saying? That's what he's
1: saying. I didn't look into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. So if viewers see this and I find it. It's trustworthy, I think. I, I think yeah, so. definitely yeah. communist conspiracy. Oh, of yeah, I'm on board.
0: I'm on board. <laughs>
1: So, Inside the Vatican, which is another porn Catholic magazine, apparently, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, it's not, but it is a Catholic magazine, <laughs> has referred to followers of the Siri thesis as sede impeditists, meaning that they believe there was a true pope, but that he was impeded by outside forces
0: from taking his office. So many so, sede words we got to memorize.
1: I, I know. SETI
0: ridiculous. SETI Vacantist, SETI privationist, and now SETI impeditists. Yeah, it's a little overload on the SETI. There's going to so be a quiz hear... after this, so I hope everyone's <laughs> ready. There's a lot to cover. Wait, so you
1: guys want to hear the funniest part of all the entire Siri thesis debacle? Of course. Siri was never on record as ever having made reference once to the Siri thesis. Oh. So it is also not mentioned at all in the New York Times obituary in the biography written by Ramondo Spiazzi. It's not fair. I want a thesis and I want to never uh, mention and can be ignored by it. You know,
0: the Brent thesis. Yeah. It's so like if you, I promise you this, if okay. you die before I do, please, I will definitely propagate a Brent thesis. Okay. Okay. Um, I I don't know what it's going to be yet. It's got because it's got to be a surprise (laughs) to you because you can never mention it. Right. (laughs) So in the darkest nights of my soul, I'll come up with something real good and I'll forge some Department of State documents to prove it's true. That sounds great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So we're moving on. So, yeah, that's the Siri thesis. So now we got some mystical popes to get into. Finally. And the mystical popes we're going to be dealing with belong to the palmarian church and now we mentioned these folks a little bit in our third episode i believe yeah when we talked about the uh took consecrations they were kind of his first stop on his consecration spree and so we're gonna get <laughs> dig a little bit more into these folks
1: we need to make a t-shirt that has tour dates on the back of all the places like tooks consecrated <laughs> <It's> just like <laughs> It's like the, the, tuk, tuk the consecration tour, tour. tour
0: there's a lot so we could definitely yeah just took with an electric guitar like you know <laughs> going full you know he's like taking the tools of modernism you know for the you know the traditionalist catholics yeah i'm into it <laughs> so the palmarian church or otherwise known as simply the Christian Palmarian Church of the Carmelites of the Holy Face is <laughs> a small schismatic Catholic church with an Episcopal see in El Helmar de Troya, Spain. Ah, and an Episcopal see just, you know, means, you know, a Pope. So Pope Paul VI is regarded by them as a martyr, and his predecessors are regarded as true popes. They hold, on the grounds of claimed apparitions, that the Pope <laughs> of Rome is excommunicated and that the position of the Holy See has since 1978 been transferred to their see of El Palmar, Troya Do you guys see what's happening with the CEO? All right,
1: that was horrible, actually.
0: <laughs> you know what you need to do, Brent? Take a seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the language. So since the establishment of the Palmar Church, it has had four pontiffs, Clemente Dominguez y Gomez, Pope Gregory the 17th. He declared himself Pope in 1978 until his death in 2005. When he apparently and officially became a Holy Ghost Father. Yep, well, he, the Holy Ghost Father, he death. joined yep. up. So second is Manuel Corral,
1: who is Pope Peter II. And founder of famous Midwest fine dining establishment, Golden Corral. Little yeah, see, I that.
0: think it should be Papal Corral now <laughs> I at this think point. It is. <laughs> they They should have changed the name by now. That's true. So he succeeded Gomez in 2005 and led the church until his death in 2011. Pope Peter II made no claims to visions, but stated that the Antichrist was born in the year 2000. <laughs> Can you really be a true Palmarian without seeing apparitions, though? Come on. You know, he he needed his own thing. I can dig it, though. Yeah, he, you know, Maybe. he was just kind of... He was kind of riding on the apparition right. coattails, I think, <laughs> of uh, Gregory the 17th, unfortunately. You know, he didn't yeah. get his own thing. So that means that the, the Antichrist is 19. Do we know any 19-year-olds... <laughs> I guess they could also be 18, depending on when in 2000. Yeah. I ask. So yeah, so keep a lookout for any 18 or 19 year olds <laughs> that maybe look a little shifty because they could be the Antichrist. So Palmorian doctrine indicates that the Antichrist will mock Christ and imitate him by making a public appearance at age of 12, <laughs> i.e. in 2012, and begin his public life when he is 30 years Jesus. old. Us. So uh, we're going to have to go back to the uh, into the way back machine and take a look at 2012 (laughs) and see if uh, anyone's making a public appearance. Yeah, shouldn't be too hard. It's very uh, vague. Yeah, it's pretty vague. A public appearance. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone that made a public appearance. (laughs) Yeah. Did he he went outside (laughs) in 2012? Also, just keep an eye out in 2030 because that's, you know. (laughs) That's when the public life begins. So, next is um, Ginez Jesus Hernandez, who is Pope Gregory the 18th in 2011. Hernandez resigned in 2016 to marry, oh, which seems, I know, kind of, that seems a little bizarre. <laughs> and he was succeeded by uh, Joseph Edermott, Pope Peter the 3rd, in 2016. He needed to get in on some of that annulment action from the SSPX. Yeah, man, they're annulling everybody. He could have made that mega easy. <laughs> Unless he just never got married, then it wouldn't be a big deal. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So how did this whole Palmarian pandemonium begin, you may ask? So it began in March of 1968 with four Spanish schoolgirls stating that they saw an apparition of the Virgin Mary by a little tree on a piece of farmland called Alcaparosa near Palmar de Troya. The girls were only known as Anna, Josefa, Rafaela, and Anna Maria. Huh. Lots of tourists came to witness these apparitions, as well as a number of miracles similar to those alleged to have happened at Fatima, mm. which we mentioned yeah. in the previous episode with Our Lady of Fatima. Clemente Dominguez y Gomez was one of the many seers of this apparition. Seers, see, see yep. get it? It's, it's all didn't... come together. He was an office clerk from Seville, a lowly position, but that's that's fine. People from lower positions can that's become right. pope. It's, that's right. You know, it's, it's really a motivational kind of inspirational story. <laughs> He eventually became the, quote, principal seer.
1: Oh, I'll just assume that I just assume that the seers started their own seer school in which
0: Gomez Gomez became the principal of the principal of the seer school. You got to teach people to see these apparitions, (laughs) which kind of makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it does. They really could have. I mean, imagine if like the Ghost Hunter show was was on back then. They would have had a field day with this whole thing. I know. Seriously. So these yeah. seers' visions were dismissed by the local bishop. So they returned to their normal lives and allegedly wished only to forget the past and to have no connection to the Palmarian church. And I believe these are the original, the four girls who saw right. the Virgin Mary. And, yeah, and some and uh, and somewhere a statue of the Virgin
1: Mary is crying. So oh, she's upset. She is upset. Once you're a seer,
0: you, you can't go back. You can never unsee. So yeah, you can't unsee what late. you've seared and... Um, now, the bishop might have been against this. You know, the The four girls might have retracted, but Gomez didn't budge. Yeah. In fact, he claimed that the Virgin Mary had given him instructions Double to down, rid yeah. the Catholic Church of heresy and progressivism Fuck and man. of communism. Yeah, why not? I can get behind one of three there. It's not bad, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Communism, <laughs> you know, probably not the best thing that's not ever c- happened. So in 1975, Dominguez formed a new religious order, the Order of Carmelites of the Holy Face, which claimed to be faithful to the Holy Pope Paul VI. It claimed that Paul VI was detained in the Vatican by evil conspiring cardinals. Damn, must have been a Chicago Cubs fan. Oh, <laughs> bringing
1: sports into the set of
0: a episodes. We, we didn't have any sports in the
1: last episode,
0: but I did. I
1: swear I mentioned something about the Michael Jordan of something. I just say that pretty much constantly now,
0: which is probably annoying. I think annoying, that was this episode, though. You yeah, did say that in I did this say episode. It then. Yeah. There was
1: something sports. I'm going to
0: go back and look. Maybe you did. You might have. I'll believe you. (laughs) Oh, it was definitely um, a lot more sports going on in these episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to make it relevant. Yeah, definitely. Uh, A lot of
1: that. A lot of sports. A lot of fire festival (laughs) references. It's going to just keep coming. No, uh, it was the um, it was the Catholic, whatever, like the modernist Catholic uh, track
0: team. That's what it was. (laughs) Definitely sports. (laughs) You can't have that. (laughs) So the order was initially run by laymen but supported sacramentally by priests from Portugal, Spain, and the US. And as we've said a million times, you can't just do the sacraments. You got to you got to have people who've got the that's true. You know, the clothes on and who've had, you know, who right. who are, who have been ordained like, by bishops it, and the bishops have been consecrated by real bishops, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It's like trying to set up a crystal grid
1: without really understanding what you're doing. Yeah. And following the proper procedures. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to
0: program the crystals just right. It's exactly, <laughs> it's easy to just, you know, skip over all the important parts of that procedure. To be guaranteed access to the sacraments, Gomez's group needed its own bishops Dominguez wrote a letter to our best friend, Marcel Mm Lefebvre, and asked him to consecrate him. But Lefebvre declined. He told Gomez to contact a traditionally minded Vietnamese bishop instead. Huh. Who
1: could we be talking about? Listeners, brother assassinated, exiled from his country. I'm still too vague,
0: probably. Well, if you don't know yet, Uh in 1976... Maurice Rivaz, a Swiss priest who taught canon law at the SSPX seminary in Econ, persuaded one Archbishop No Dung Took yeah. of the authenticity of the apparitions. So our friend Took is back on the scene. He never left. Yeah, he I mean, that's I mean that's right. <laughs> so he accepted the mystical message of the Seer Mystics. The archbishop believed that he was called by the Virgin Mary to raise two of the order's members, Gomez and the aforementioned Corral, as well as three of the priests associated with the group to the rank of bishop. Took also ordained some laymen to the priesthood, because, you know, why not? (laughs) He also ordained a church pew and recently pre-baptized infant. I'm just kidding, but you never know. You you never never know there to document it. I mean, he consecrated a cat, so, I mean, (laughs) who knows what he's up to? (laughs) Gomez had a vision while Archbishop Took was present. During the vision, Gomez proceeded to take the child Jesus who had appeared in the vision and placed the child Jesus in the archbishop's arms. This seems to have convinced Took of the authenticity of the apparitions and confirmed his decision to ordain and consecrate in El Palmar de Troya in 1976. uh
1: damn it, Took. You fell for the baby Jesus arm transfer routine, the oldest trick in the book.
0: It's just Yeah, sad. I mean, that's just, they
1: knew how to press this guy's buttons. Yeah, and a bit more impressive as a baby Mary, personally, but that's just, that's fine. fine. You don't hear about
0: the baby you Mary. Don't. Took would have been like, oh, that's, that's some outside baseball there. <laughs> that's woo, weird. So obviously, the Holy See thought this was all unacceptable and stated that Archbishop Took acted without obtaining the mandatory authorization from the Holy See. Because of this act, he and the five men he consecrated as bishops were subsequently excommunicated by Paul VI. <laughs> Archbishop took subsequently cut his ties with the Palmar clan and ha- and was reconciled with the church authorities again. This is mm. the standard Stand- operating yeah. procedure for these <laughs> folks. As soon as there's a little push, they're like <laughs> after the death of Paul the Sixth, Gomez claimed that he had been mystically, but not formally, crowned pope by Jesus Christ <laughs> in a vision.
1: Unfortunately, he was crowned pope by baby Jesus in a vision, so that was deemed unacceptable and kind of silly, actually. But
0: yeah, and the someone had to hold the baby Jesus <laughs> to actually put the crown on him. That's very strange. Yeah. No, I guess I mean, unless I guess the baby Jesus has a pretty good reach.
1: Yeah, that's true. So that's,
0: this vision took place on August 6, 1978 in Santa Fe de Bogota in Colombia. After this vision, he took the papal name Gregory the 17th and appointed his own cardinals. That would be Matt Carpenter and Albert Halls
1: Oh, that's a sporks joke. Number two. Dylan, your dad is loving this podcast right now. He is
0: loving it, but I assume that's a baseball joke, and he's not a big baseball fan, but it's better than nothing. (laughs) It's better than nothing. So by these actions, the Carmelites of the Holy Face evolved into the Palmarian Catholic Church. Some Catholics previously associated with the Carmelites left the group as a result. They were fine with following a
1: man who sees apparitions, but God damn you if you're going to change our church's name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. That's the real problem, yeah. Also, you know, calling yourself Pope (laughs) and specifically being crowned Pope by a baby Jesus, I can kind of see. You know, just seeing ghosts, that's fine. This was all, of course, at odds with the Roman Catholic Church. The traditional Catholic doctrine identifies the papacy with the Bishop of Rome. Roman Catholic teaching holds that personal revelations are not binding on the church as a whole. The popes of the Palmarian Church do not claim to be the designated bishop of Rome, but rather they claim that Christ transferred the position of the Patriarch of the West and the Supreme Pontiff to the new Episcopal See of El Palmar de Troya.
1: Oh man, I always root for the Patriarch of the West in the East versus West patriarchal
0: all-star game. That's right. Sports (laughs) joke number three. Yeah, the all-star game. Yeah, the um, Eastern Orthodox churches are definitely... (laughs) They're going to win that <laughs> baseball game. I'm going to root they for will. them. Oh, for sure. So in this capacity as Pope, Gomez was calling the Roman Catholic Church a false church and declared Pope John Paul II excommunicated. Oh, not good. This is all leading me. We need to get our hands on a bishop. Yeah. And we can just do whatever we want, it seems, in That's this right. kind of regard. So whatever happened to Clemente Dominguez e. Gomez, Pope Gregory Seventeenth? Well, he died as he lived, receiving <laughs> visions of apparitions. His death was in March 2005. According to Palmarian sources, Pope Gregory the 17th died experiencing a vision during Easter liturgy. His successor as Pope, Manuel Alonso Corral, immediately declared Gomez to be called Pope Saint Gregory the 17th, the very great. And, <laughs> of course, upon
1: Corral's death, aka Pope Peter II, after a long illness on July 15, 2011, his successor declared that Corral should be known henceforth as Saint Peter the 2nd, the very, very Great and so forth. So
0: yeah, it's it kind of like going. in North Korea how they're running out of things to call yeah. the dead leaders because I think right. the I can't I can't remember because it's like dear leader and then it's like eternal leader right. is the uh, the first one they've got all they've got a whole hierarchy going yeah. on there. So in a sermon held on August 2011, Gregory the 18th, not the 17th, the 18th, <laughs> said that the Palmarian Church had between 1,000 and 1,500 members, but in the following years many were excommunicated. <laughs> A few years ago, in 2015, the number of bishops was probably down to about 30, and the number of nuns were around 30 as well. According to Magnus Lundberg, quote, except for at the very beginning, most new members were children of Palmarian couples and not people coming from outside. According to Lundberg, as of 2015, 32 bishops remained out of 192 men who were consecrated as bishops between 1976 and 2015. Mm. Since 1983, the Palmarian Church has drastically reformed its rites and its liturgy, which previously has been styled in the Tridentine form. The Palmarian liturgy was reduced to almost solely the Eucharistic words of consecration. This is just beyond words. This has
1: to be the most important scandal of our day right now that I can think of.
0: Yeah, Yeah. right now. I mean, it's just what's the point of being a set of a contest and, you know, doing this whole thing (laughs) if we're just going to do the same thing that Vatican (laughs) II did? We need to be set of a contest versus this guy. <laughs> so, the See of El Palmar de Troya has also declared the real presence of the Virgin Mary in the Sacred Host and the bodily assumption into heaven of Saint Joseph to be dogmas of the Catholic Church. By 2000, they had their own Palmarian version of the Bible, Uh-oh. revised by Gomez on claimed prophetic authority, and a product of the Second Palmarian Council. <laughs> they had two Jeez. of these already. <laughs> Oh, boy. Also known as the Palmarian Synod. (laughs) For these reasons and their strict rules allowing no communication with people outside of the faith, other Catholics consider the Palmarian Church to be heretical and cult followers. Oh, wait. By that rationale, they're saying Scientology is a cult then, too? No. Please, no. That's clearly wrong. They own the anti-cult website. (laughs) So we know it's wrong. Yeah. So the Archidonian-Palmarian group, located in Archidonia, Malaga, Spain, formed in 2000 and was due to the expulsion of 16 cardinals and five nuns. They were expelled by Gomez for various reasons. The predominant reason for these expulsions was due to the Palmarian Pope's belief that there was a, quote, church within a church, planning to overthrow or assassinate him. (laughs) It's churches all the way down. Schismatics
1: of schismatics.
0: Once you schism, you can't stop schisming. That's right. The group in Archidona has since almost disbanded, and there remains four or five of them. Still bigger than my graduating high school class, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> true. Still got me. Be Wasn't there
1: three? <laughs> There's three. That's right, including me. Damn, you got
0: to get them. Get the boys back together. Yeah, um, I assume it's an all boys no, school. It's bo- one boy, one girl. So, oh, yeah. that's that's progressive.
1: Very progressive. That's good. <laughs> very very progressive school.
0: So these folks they presently call themselves independent Palmarian oh. priests. They believe that the Sea of Peter is once again vacant. Oh man, it's like full circle. I can't wait for the schismatics of the schismatics of the
1: schismatics. The very <laughs> independent Palmarian priesthood there we go finally
0: they can agree with mainstream roman catholicism (laughs) that (laughs) (laughs) finally they're back to just being normal yeah (laughs) so we've covered the sede impeditist view Mm -hmm. we've covered the mystical view now we're on to the you know regular old ordinary conclavist view with probably the most famous real pope pope michael the first of Kansas. So hey. to start, there are a bunch of conclavists who claim the papacy that we just don't have time to cover. There's Pope Crab the first, Pope Linus the second, Pope Pius the thirteenth, Leo the fourteenth, Alexander the ninth, etc., etc., etc. There's also a bunch of mysticalists even that we can't cover. There's Pope Emmanuel, Peter Romanus the second, Joseph the first, Peter Athanasius <laughs> the <That's> second. a <sighs> lot of other Pope Peters the There's like a lot of Pope Peters the seconds in that list. Yeah, I mean I mean that's the first pope, so yeah. you got to, you, gotta, you know, just use that name. Yeah, if you're going to, you know, take over, you got to start from the top. That's right. <laughs> but there's one pope, you know, again that stands out above the rest and yes. his name is Pope Michael the 1st and right now I want to give him the attention he he does it to deserve. Be <laughs> so, before he was Pope Michael, he was David Allen Bodden. He was born on September 22nd, 1959 in Oklahoma City. Yes, there is an hour-long documentary
1: about this by Adam Fairholm titled Pope Michael. It's you can find it on YouTube and we I know me and Dylan both highly suggest that you watch it sometime it's very entertaining. Absolutely. It's a great job. The documentary begins with a scratchy VHS tape that's being filmed in July 17, 1990, the day Baldwin was elected pope by a group of six lay people which included himself and his parents. So <laughs> that's the <laughs> about amazing. Yeah, half um, of
0: the uh, conclave were Baldwin's. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: Wow. So David's dad is holding the camera, narrates, this is July the 16th, 1990, and Habermas Papam, we have a Pope. What does that mean exactly? I think you told me.
0: It means we have a Pope Pop is, in Latin.
1: Yeah, just basically means we have a Pope. Yeah. Just selected was Michael I of the Holy Roman Catholic Church. There is a TV on the background, the camera gets shaky as Michael's dad tries to find the button to zoom in. Let me see if I can come in a little bit. That's what he says, a young David Baden looks straightforward without making any real facial expressions. His dad focuses the camera close up on his face and says the words, holiness, would you say a few words for us? And literally instantly, I mean, it's like he says that and then immediately says, okay, after a set of a Conte of almost 31 and a half years, peace to our lady of Mount Carmel. We finally have a Pope again. Finally. I wish I could imitate his voice, but you just have to hear it.
0: Yeah. He's got a really good like Oklahoma accent. It's yeah. wonderful
1: yeah it's it's fun to listen to banjo music starts to play and we get the title card but you know hey at least it's not an electric guitar right yeah I mean, we that oof. would have been i would have shut
0: off the documentary immediately probably yeah banjo is definitely i feel a classical instrument i feel that right that is appropriate right. for the gravity of the mass and for electing yes. a pope after 31 and a half years Woo. right Woo-hoo. i agree <laughs> So, again, Pope Michael is a conclavist. He believes that the Catholic Church had seceded from the Catholic faith since Vatican II and that there had been no legitimate popes elected since the death of Pope Pius XII in 1958. David originally was a student for some time at Lefebvre's Seminary in Acon, Switzerland, back in the 80s. Man, what a crazy time.
1: Tight rolled, stonewashed jeans, big hair, puffy shoulders on dresses, and discussions on obscure Catholic canon law.
0: (laughs) Oh, crazy days. Oh, man, I remember the four years I lived in the 80s. (laughs) Back when we had to deal with communism, the Cold War was still raging. Raging. Kids today don't know anything about that. Well, (laughs) they actually do. (laughs) But David left the seminary. His family eventually broke with the SSPX, and at the time, they lived in Bellevue, Kansas. If I'm not mistaken, he kind of thought Lefebvre was a sellout, like the rest of... yes. Of the nine, I wonder. I don't know why they never really connected. Why he never connected with the nine? That would have been interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think he even mentions how him that he was quote unquote kicked out of the school, the seminary in Cone too, which I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that's what he said. Kicked out,
0: literally, just kicked out, booted him out of there. Boom, gone, get out. So Thomas Frank, in the his kind of famous book, "What's the Matter with Kansas," he actually has a chapter about Pope Michael, where Mm -hmm. he sits down to speak with Pope Michael at his family's farmhouse which is located just 20 miles outside of St. Mary's. Pope Michael wears a white cassock and zucchetto, often with sweatpants underneath and house slippers. (laughs) The documentary filmmaker Adam Fairholm explained what it was like to make the documentary about Pope Michael. Quote, We didn't know what to expect. It's very strange sitting down to lunch with a guy who's dressed like the Pope. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) I think that's right especially especially in kansas <laughs> yeah, and especially the next sentence yeah and uh, also <laughs> it wasn't just a guy dressed like the pope his mother <laughs> accompanied him as well that's good in frank's book he describes a fun conversation about freemasons bilderbergers the trilateral <laughs> commission the council on foreign relations all controlling the world and working for satan obviously Pope Michael and his mom pull out a hymnal from 1959, which includes the line which they claim was incorrectly translated from the Latin and used in the modernist masses since Vatican II. <sighs> I know, I know. I can barely contain my disgust right this second. but Yeah, when you, you can't even get the Latin right. I mean, what's, what's the
1: point at and this Frank, point? Frank in the book is like, you have your Freemasons, your Bilderbergs,
0: your trilateral <laughs> commission. It's like, whoa, <laughs> a little snarky there, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just listing them out. <laughs> According to his website, Pope Michael considers Pope Paul VI the Antichrist, which is, whoa. It's like,
1: whoa. It's actually that there's some overlap there because I do recall growing up in, you know, the kind of the weird, wacky people that taught me stuff in Sunday school. There was this one guy. He was like predicting when the world was going to end. He like did all the math on the board. I was like, what is happening? And he's like, it's going to be a 1992. So obviously he was wrong. But he did he did talk about how the Pope was the Antichrist. He's like, he is the Antichrist. So I was like, whoa, 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 what do you say of a contest? Slow your roll. Yeah, so which or one would Conclatus. it have been?
0: Would it have been John Paul the Second? Yeah, it would have been John Paul. Yeah. So he's the Antichrist. Yeah, because I like it because, you know, John the twenty third is just not the Pope, which I mean, <laughs> that's fine. I'm not the Pope. Right. But you know, Paul the Sixth is the Antichrist. That's <laughs> that's our That's terrible. It's so bad. And so, you know, given that he got kicked out of the Acone Seminary, Pope Michael is (laughs) not a fan of Lefebvre either. He considered him not a true rebel at all because he accepted anti-popes such as John Paul II. You know, again, sellout. Pope Michael wrote a 500-page book about his thoughts called Will the Catholic Church Survive the 20th Century? Answer in short, yes. And actually, by the way, I can't find this book. I looked for it. Oh, at least on man. Amazon. will have to, you know, if any of the listeners can get a, a hold of it, uh, we might just have to send Pope Michael an email. I mean, he's still yeah. around. He's true. Yeah. See if we can't order a book from yeah. him. Yep. <laughs> His last video he made was like Christmas,
1: I think. So that's a good one. Oh,
0: very nice. It's a fun one. I just the last video I saw of him, he was talking about Pope Francis yes. addressing a Protestant guy as a brother bishop. Yes, I saw that one. Yeah, and Pope Michael is obs- upset. <laughs> he's not a brother bishop. He's a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, really not into that ecumenism at all. all right. <laughs> so in Thomas Frank's book, he describes the day Pope Michael became Pope Michael. Quote: In 1990, David sent out invitations to a papal election to set of a contest worldwide. Five of them showed up. His parents, his co author, and two friends of the family. They gathered in the thrift store owned by David's dad. I'm sensing a little bit of nepotism here. Yeah. I got to say, sacking the deck to a degree. Yeah. Two friends of the family, they're in David's dad's thrift store. I'm sure they sold used habits, but that, that's sorry. That's beside the point. It could have, the timing is right. It could have yeah. been MSG's habit. <laughs> Anyway, so to continue the quote, they got down to business and they elected David Pope. Mom produces the family scrapbook and shows me the newspaper stories about the event. The St. Mary Star covered it, as did the Topeka Capital Journal, because nothing else was going on that day. <laughs> I wonder what they call, what the name of the thrift store was. I wonder if it was Salvation Blue Army. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The holy see these deals we've got going on today, store. That's so long. <laughs> that is a long title, but I'm sticking goodbye. The six people that elected David Bodden to the papacy were David Bodden himself, his parents, Mr. Kenneth Bodden and Mrs. Clara Bodden, a Mr. and Mrs. Robert Hunt, and Teresa Benz, who eventually left the conclave to start her own sect. Obviously, again, come on, schismatics breed. to It's a a tautology at this point, that that's what you do if you're a schismatic. (laughs) She wrote several online papers saying Bodden was not actually pope. Oh boy, Pope Michael fired back at her writings as pure heresy. Oh,
1: so early in the Pope Michael documentary, His Holiness shows us his quote papal apartment, as he calls it, where he does all his pope work, pope paperwork. It's not really, pope I mean, it's work. more yeah, pope work, poper work, <laughs> Pope work. <laughs> it's a cramped space in what looks to be a trailer. He stands up at his dated computer. He he once said that um, his chiropractor told him that it was bad on his back to sit down, so he doesn't do that anymore. Well, at least he's listening to the experts that's right chiropractors are very much experts um where he sends out his emails decrease to his followers regarding email pope michael says in the film quote threats are extremely rare i had one in 2003 to 2004 somewhere along there someone emailed in threatening to cut out my tongue and send it to john paul ii (laughs) i did file a police report on that normally what Normally, what we get via the Internet or even occasionally in the
0: mail is just simple nonsense. <laughs> just <laughs> nonsense. I don't think John Paul II would have wanted that no. tongue. <laughs> just imagine him opening it up like, oh, yeah, because, he, he, you know, he would have to sign for it and that's always a pain in the neck like oh, you just you get that little <laughs> slip of paper sorry your tongue is you know at the FedEx office you have to go get it yeah uh, we, we'll try and deliver one more time yeah just send me a picture and I know you did <sighs> So he also shows the
1: audience in his main his main library and then his chapel, and Pope Michael laughs and says, quote, I remember one of the popes, he was an exile from Rome and bemoaning how he was reduced to a small staff. I said, Buddy, you have it good compared to me. My staff is mom.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good Mother's Day
1: message, I think. It is. <laughs> My staff is mom. One of my favorite scenes from the doc though is is when Pope Michael and his mom were just watching Jeopardy together. It's a classic. So Alex Trebek says, launched in 2009, the Kepler mission looks for the tiny dimming of stars as these pass in front of them. So the infallible Pope answers, nebulae. The (laughs) the contestant says, what are planets? And Pope Michael calmly says, oh. And his mother (laughs) chimes in. (laughs) His mother, my favorite part though is his mother, she chimes in and says, Quote, we don't always agree with their scientific theories. <laughs> so, you know, the Pope immediately replies with yeah, I, you know, he doesn't really <laughs> say anything. I do enjoy the idea though, people taking a hard stance with the scientific theory of planets being the
0: cause of the dimming of a stars and telescopes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's definitely true. It is true, though. Uh, Yeah, definitely. And I I just, I like, you know, I I see this more as she's trying to defend her son. Oh, of course. Which I like. That's a good mom right there. I know. Yeah, totally. I'm
1: just joking. In the documentary, they also follow Pope Michael's protege. His name is Phil Friedel who tried and failed at his engineering course multiple times. Um, He took a test and failed it, he said, a couple times, and stumbled across Pope Michael online and finally decided to leave his parents' house where he was living and the girl he was in love with to work and study with Pope full-time. See, the thing is, this young man was probably not studying the right engineering book. A book we might be talking about in a future podcast. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, that's too much foreshadowing. Fake fake it, though. I just,
0: I won't. We'll never talk about any kind of engineering books on this podcast. Wink, 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 wink. That's (laughs) right. Pope Michael says that
1: Phil has on his own accord made a vow of chastity and a vow of obedience. (laughs) I I personally
0: prefer vows of silence, but that's just my preference. I mean, if I'm going to go with vows, I I don't I disagree, at least for I'm glad Phil and isn't taking a vow of silence. He's got a lot of good things to
1: say. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. Because he shows us on camera the 100 page book um, that he's written called The History of the Church, The Formation of the Apostles of the Latter Times. It is on Amazon. I did look it up and you can buy it. I do believe it's it's got a good price on it. You can get it if you have Kindle Unlimited for free. So there is that. Yeah. So the first review of the book says, quote, when i read this i realized i had never seen this approach before and i have read a lot of books and i have thousands of books in my library and i would put this in the top 10 but to be fair this so (laughs) so, that's a good review but to be fair the first review is by pope michael you know but he's being tricky he signed it as d Bauden, so didn't even give his first name not even david But the next review is a little more blunt, says, quote, the book has no value whatsoever.
0: If I could give it a zero stars, I would. (laughs) Man, that's rough. (laughs) It's brutal. That's a little extreme. (laughs) I'm sure you could use it as a paperweight. I'm sure it's got some value. In the film, it shows Pope Michael instructing
1: his protege, Phil, to ring small bells in 15 seconds. He points to him, he rings them. after which he show, it shows him doing a Ustream video entitled, quote, What is True Devotion? His face appears on the website above, a pop-up ad for Celebrity Top Chef, quote, Good morning. Today is the feast of St. Luke, the physician, and the 50th anniversary of my baptism. Hmm. So... Yeah, good time. So Pope Michael goes on to give some announcements of upcoming events, and he got the idea of doing weekly broadcasts to his followers from a large mega Protestant church. So, oh. okay, uh, I see something fishy here. More modern than, what is more modern than streaming online, first off? Also, did I just hear the <laughs> word Protestant? I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> how, how is this truly Catholic? Come on. So Pope Michael continues to let us know that one Sunday they had 11 people
0: watching on his broadcast. And then after another highlight, See, I the just da- want to say, so I don't want to toot my own horn, but that means we get a few more downloads per episode than no! the Pope. So yeah, that's
1: true. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing. good.
0: <laughs> another highlight
1: for the documentary is when they make communion wafers on this special Holy press. It's really not a pretty sight. The mother t- makes the Christ wafers um, batter. She's mixing it up. She doesn't know if the proportions are right. And she pours it on the Holy press steam seriously like starts billowing out of it something's not right they are looking at the instructions titled host recipes for host machine october 2009 on how to cook the body of christ so they open the press and it's stuck and it's crumbling all over the place let's just say it's the post-crucifixion body of christ so let's <laughs> i mean that's really more
0: oh <coughs> man yeah like, it we're was. gonna have to like this, You know, I've had, I've had baking, I've had problems baking oh, myself, God, too. so yeah. I fully, I was oh, really totally feeling for them yeah. in that
1: moment. There's another scene in the film where Phil talks about the droves of people that would surely come to join Pope Michael. He is very excited about this prospect that I'm, that I'm nearly certain hasn't quite come true yet. I'm not sure, but I don't yeah, think. I wouldn't call it droves. Yeah, not droves. I, I'd be curious to know, though, if he's gotten more followers to come there besides Phil, because it seems in the documentary, which is a few years back by now, there was just Phil and, of course, him and his mom. Um, his dad passed yeah, away. I feel so like he yeah. said
0: he had like 30 solid followers. Right. Like solid. If like, I online, remember not, correctly. Yeah. But they make a sound in the
1: documentary like there's people coming to join them like at the Pope's residence. I gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. So the last portion of the film focuses on Pope Michael and Phil going to Kansas University for a presentation. Phil explains to the camera that it's going to be a good day, not just because of the presentation, but because they will be going to C.C.'s Pizza. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, mac and cheese pizza and the discussion of the, the importance of Latin Catholic canon law. Uh, sign me up. That's That I was literally there. my
0: first thought when I first thought <laughs> about C.C.'s Pizza. Like, I've seen those ads. Yes. I definitely would try the mac and cheese pizza. Mac and cheese pizza. <laughs> So Phil makes a short presentation letting
1: everyone know that there is an angel among them and his name is Pope Michael. So obviously, this angel is behind Phil while he's giving a speech, controlling the PowerPoint presentation from a laptop. After the presentation, Pope Michael asks if there are any questions from the audience of about, there's about 20 people, I, I would say, in the audience. So the, a priest, and he's also the director of St. Lawrence Catholic Center of Kansas University, who quickly says his name, and I cannot understand him. Yeah, I can't remember. What he said. Yeah, it was very quick, but he apparently works for uh, KU whatever. He confronts the Pope angel. Um, he says-
0: and you, The great thing about this scene is that they're, you know, while they're setting up they show the audience and you see him because he's in yeah he's got the he's, he's in go. the priest garb he's got the collar on yep. and you like you know he's oh, just yeah, sharpening he's, his pencils yeah he at <laughs> his pad and note his pad and pen ready to go yeah he's he's got things to say <laughs>
1: So he says that Pope Benedict is the bishop of Rome because he's elected by members of the clergy of Rome called cardinals. It has been the tradition at least since the 12th century, he goes on to say, and it's in the code of canon law. Um, He states that one only becomes pope when they take possession of St. John Lateran. So he says that Michael was never elected by any cardinals. So thus he's not Pope. So Pope Michael says that he is in pursuit of such bishops who do agree with him currently, and that taking the possession of St. John Lateran is not essential to the papacy, which is obvious. But um, yes. We're all canon lawyers.
0: This is all old hat for us. <laughs>
1: So Pope Michael, by the end of the documentary, is in full pope attire with the tall pope hat. It's it's a, it's all in white, and he's standing there. Phil recites a prepared statements to Pope, saying "I feel a Friedel" over and over, saying things over and over. I forget what they were, but they were they were perfect. Um, and Pope Michael then kneels down and kisses his hand. Ooh. As one does. Hand kissing is making a comeback. I think we had it in episode one. So good to see it coming back. Absolutely. In our final episode. So, in the final scenes of the documentary, Phil muses about the girl he fell in love with and that he left behind. So clearly, you can tell he's kind of still struggling over his decision to leave her, but he is explaining that this was, you know, part of his tribulation time, and he's very happy here. He goes on to quote Saint Paul, saying he has now obtained quote peace that surpasses all understanding. So I don't understand it, but that makes sense. So he's almost, he's peaceful. So let him have his peace. Yes, yeah, I'm letting him have it. Phil explains um, that he's sad. His parents are on the wrong path. In fact, actually, at the end of the documentary, he does go meet his his parents and talks with them. Um, after he gives another, uh, they give another speech. Actually, Pope Michael gives another speech at Oklahoma University. Maybe. Yeah, so? I think so. I think so. If I remember correctly. Yeah. So anyway, he uh, explains that he's sad his parents are on the wrong path, but many Catholic saints had parents who were probably on the wrong path too, mm-hmm. and he wants to be a saint someday because saints go to heaven. Thing is, he'll never get to be an angel because he'll never be a David Bowden. He'll never oh. be
0: a Pope Michael. That's- <laughs> The first, and that he could actually be his successor. That that's though, true. He could be Pope Michael the Second. Yeah, yeah. Never know, be. never know. I mean, Hang right there, now Phil. he's pretty much in the yeah, running. He's definitely I mean, he's the number one choice. Yeah, and sure. that is it for this episode. And that is it for sede vacantism. We covered a lot of material. Uh. So Brent, looking back at the entire oeuvre. Oh. Of um, Sedevacantism, what intrigued you the most? What did you learn? Well, the
1: Vatican II stuff, you know, at the beginning was good. The book, reading parts but I didn't read the whole book. I read portions of the, the Vatican II Council. That was very, very interesting. Uh, Lefevre, the godfather, as we call him. He is another character that I didn't know much about, that I really enjoy learning about. The rape and murder, didn't see that coming. What was the other thing, the episode prior, that was another brutal... Take was it the kidnapping? The kidnapping kidnapping was brutal. Yeah, Uh, of course. Pope Michael is brilliant. I cannot recommend watching that documentary enough. It is really good. good, Watch, really funny, just really interesting. And I don't know. I just I think that is. It's just the whole set of a contest thing is very interesting. The schismatic nature of that I never knew anything about it until you
0: said let's do set of a and I was like what is that yeah so, I just ran I think I learned about this because I love going through kind of one of our one of my main starting points for any episode is rational wiki which mm-hmm. is really good mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me at introducing to me these topics and I learned about it through Mel Gibson <laughs> who is actually kind of part of a set of church oh is he interesting um, okay and that's that. where I first learned about like what is this kind of thing Yeah. And then I fell into a rabbit hole. Yeah. I just, I think the whole, besides all the things you mentioned, which are, you know, super interesting, just like why this stuff was important. That was like the first thing I wanted to figure out is when I look at Vatican II, you know, from a very untutored perspective, like all these changes seem benign. Why is it important to them? And all the stuff about, you know, the rules concerning bishops and, the valid versus illicit consecrations and all, all the rules. There's so yeah, many the rules of Latin. And I think that's what, yeah. you know, yeah. The need to do the Latin, like the perspectives on what's going on at the mass. Right. That to me was the most interesting and kind of really being able to see why people would care so strongly about what seemed to me originally to be fairly benign changes.
1: Yeah. And, and it's actually in, in one of the, um, the other reviews I didn't mention in the Amazon reviews of phil frieder's book there's another review like a th- only there's only like three and another person is like if you you know really enjoy obscure religious stuff you actually may like this book it's like there you go that's <laughs> that's why we've why we do this that's very good stuff it's yeah very that's why we did five episodes yes. five the most <laughs> we've done of any. yeah
0: yeah this is yeah so far yeah. the winner it is and yeah and so that's it so if you want to find out you know, links to all the places where you can listen to the podcast besides your normal you know, podcast app, whether it's Apple, whether it's Google Play or Stitcher or SoundCloud or any other way you listen to it. You can find links to our source page and our YouTube page and all that kind of stuff. Also kind of current events. We try to, you know, have some short little spiel on there saying, you know, what we're up to, what we're recording. All that you can find on none dare call it ordinary dot com. You can also send us an email. You know, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? Maybe Pope Michael is the Pope. I don't know. He could be. He <laughs> could be. Send those emails. None dare call it ordinary at com. And always, you know, one thing we kind of forget to mention, if you can rate and review our podcast on oh, whatever... Yes you know, podcast app or what have you, you use that really helps us out. It would be really wonderful. We actually now we've got five ratings. Yeah. And we're, you know, five out of five. So if you think that's wrong, if you think we're not very good, hey, you know, you could rate us too. You let could be the nine. Why. Let's Maybe get it to four. nine.
1: You could be the nine. You know, let's <laughs> the nine that rate us.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can get. Yeah. And then once we hit to nine, then that's when that's we start. It. Shut saying, it down. <laughs> the Society for St. Pius I, we're taking it back to the second century. But anyway, so we're done with Sedevacantism. We have something very, very different coming at you for our next series. Mm-hmm. And with that, we are... ...none something on to Udica may days in the may be gentian on Santa, in good May. days, forty two to May, may place to, the children, the meetings. May they to it, very tough to to, next May deduction, and a deduction, mountain, to and And in three while a day, a lady
1: because <language> you can see